John chapter 10, and I'll begin reading in verse 1 as we draw our attention to, to God's Word. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does, who, who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. And a stranger they simply will not follow, because, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of a stranger. This figure of speech Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he, was, he had been saying to them. So Jesus said it to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me, or all who came before me, are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pastures. The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are privileged to be together today. It is, it is our joy to come together and around Your Word. Lord, we just thank You for this precious guidance in our life. This, this Word from You. This voice that we hear. And Lord, we, it is, a, it is a, a joy when we come together, a fellowship, and, and just singing Your praises and thinking of what You have done for us this week and, and worshiping You, responding in praise and worship. Lord, we know that this is not the only time that we worship You. We worship with our whole life. But Lord, we thank You for these special times. Special times of, of gathering with, with other believers and coming together. Lord, it is a special time and we thank you for these. We don't want to take these times for granted because we know, Lord, throughout the world they don't have these privileges. What a privilege it is. Lord, we, we know that we are sinful people. And we come before you as sinful people. And it's only by the blood of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sin that we can stand before you. And we, and we do so today humbly. Humbly confessing our sin before you. Um, knowing that you are a God who forgives. And we thank you for that. We thank you for the, the privilege of coming into your presence with confidence, knowing that our sins are covered under the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, the privileges and the blessings are all ours. I pray that you would continue to bless our time together. May it be an encouragement to us. May we learn things from your word that we can apply to our life and change our understanding to think more like you. And, and, and not just let it there, but, but to to implement these things into our, not only our thinking, but our day-to-day -day walk, 
our conduct. Lord, You're so kind, so gracious. And pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when I was young, when I was in kindergarten, actually, very young, from time to time, our kindergarten teacher would take us on little trips, and it wouldn't be very far. We, we actually shared the, the school with the high school students. And so uh, I, I uh, don't know the wisdom in that, but, but we had, uh, that was our situation. And when she would take us from, from place to place, we would hang on to this rope. Now, there would, be, there would be 25 or 30 kids, you know. And to a kindergarten student, a little kid, their, their world is just very small. And, uh, and it consisted of just that little rope and the, pers- the back of the person in front of you. That was it. It's pretty small. And you can look down and maybe you could see the teacher way down there and you just hope somebody down there knows where we're going. And you just hang on to that rope. Now, when... When I got into high school, we didn't have to carry these little ropes around, and I was glad for that. It's a little embarrassing. But we did have guidance. We did have people telling us what to do. It wasn't every moment. We had a little bit more freedom, but we were still following the curriculum. Here's what, here's what class you had to go to. Here's where you had to go next. And we were, they were teaching us to, to follow. Follow the rules. Do what you're supposed to do. Do what comes next. You're learning to follow in school. That's just what we do. You know what? As believers, we do the same thing. We are learning to follow. We are learning to follow our shepherd. The shepherd leads us. We've read the 23rd Psalm. And, and he is leading us. And we, we must learn to hear his voice and to follow. And sometimes the only thing we may see is just this rope and the person in front of us and just take the next step. But it's following. But hopefully we we grow beyond that. Now in this passage here, and we'll move through this passage just uh, basically verse by verse, but here's what I think we'll see. Here's what we will see. Christ Jesus is the only legitimate, He is the only legitimate shepherd of God's sheep. And he brings to them, brings to his sheep, identity. And he brings nourishment. And he brings protection from those who would seek to harm us or to harm his sheep. That's what we're going to see in this passage. And these are, this is to be an encouragement to us. And it was an encouragement, I think, to his disciples. Now, let's look at verse 1 again. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who comes, he who comes, uh, or he does not enter the door of the sheep, of the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is the thief and a robber. But he starts off with, truly, truly, he says. Every time Jesus uses this, he is, is stressing something important. He's saying, listen up. This is, this is sober here. This is some spiritual truth that you need to have, that I need to impart into your life. This is important. I want to draw attention to what I'm about to say. There's some benefit for you. So he says, truly, truly. And he says, I say unto you. Now we need to put this section into context. Uh, now it, it makes sense that chapter 9 
uh, precedes chapter 10. But in chapter 9, if we remember back, Jesus healed the blind beggar. And he, uh, uh, he brought this man's sight. And the, the blind beggar drew a lot of attention. And it got the attention of the, the Pharisees. And they begin to inquire. They begin to inquire of his parents. They interviewed him. They interviewed the neighbors. Is this really true? Did this really happen to your life? In your, uh, in your life? And, uh, and he confessed Christ. Yes. And they, uh, they did not like that. They didn't like his attitude. They didn't like that he believed in Christ. And so they put him out of the synagogue. They put him out. That would be the equivalent of, of uh, excommunicating him from really the whole Jewish society. He was not able to, he was not able to participate in any of the Jewish uh, the things going on in that society. They threw him out of the synagogues. They had the power to do that. Now, it was self-appointed power. It was not God-given power, but that's what they did. And Jesus then, after this whole scenario, He begins to chide them. He begins to tell them clearly that they are spiritually blind. And He says that they are still in their sins. In fact, the last words that you say, we, um, you, your sin remains, He says, at the end. They're, they're blind. They're the ones who are really spiritually blind. Now, we must keep the context here, the flow of thought, because it's the same people that Jesus is talking to. He's talking to the blind man. His disciples are there. There's uh, some Pharisees that are there as well, and probably some of the crowd. But that's who he's talking to. And it's right after these events. And Jesus is, is drawing some conclusions based upon what had just happened. And he uses a figure of speech. In verse 6, he says, This figure of speech Jesus spoke to them. That's a, a parable-like. It's an analogy. It's a, a, a metaphor. He is just taking something that would be a common scene in Israel, and he is, he's drawing out, he's pulling out some spiritual principles for their life. And some, some life lessons, you might say. It's really just an, an illustration. It's an illustration. And he goes on to say, and let me read this, He who does not enter by the door of the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. Now, right away, we have to begin to clarify. What is he, what is he talking about? What is, the, what is the fold of the sheep? But it's a figure of, of speech, and uh, he's using shepherding. Shepherding as the, as the motif of this. Shepherding sheep. We might call them sheep ranchers today. Now, we're somewhat uh, distant from this type of, of shepherding. Uh, today, we would use dogs and maybe uh, you know, something to drive the sheep. But uh, they, they would lead the sheep in that. It was just a little bit different. Now, sheep were important. They were an important commodity to this, uh, to this uh, culture. And they were a common sight. They were used for the sacrificial system. There would be uh, hundreds of sheep coming into uh, Jerusalem at a time sometimes to, for slaughter. They would use the, the sheep for their wool, of course. They would use the sheep for, for meat as well. But there, there were shepherds then that would lead the sheep around. 
to, from this grassy place down maybe to the, the river so they can get something to drink. And when this grassy place is all eaten up, they'll go over to this grassy place. And sometimes they would spend a lot of time with the shepherd, the sheep would. And they would have to sometimes go long distances to find grass. Long distances maybe to find some something to drink. Now, what is this sheepfold that Jesus is talking about? What is this illustration of the sheep? This, some people say that the, the fold is the church. But it doesn't seem to fit the context here. Why would Jesus be leading sheep out of the church and that's the sheepfold it just doesn't seem to fit in fact in verse 16 we see i have another sheep i have other sheep which are not of this fold and i will bring them also and they will hear my voice and they will become one flock that's pretty good indication that the fold is not the the flock yet he's leading them out some people say well maybe it's heaven but again, that doesn't fit the context at all here. Uh, why would he be leading people out of heaven anyway? That doesn't, that doesn't fit the context. The context here demands that, uh, that the nation of Israel be the fold. In fact, more specifically, it would be the religious system in the nation of Israel that would be the fold of the sheep. And Jesus is leading his particular sheep out of that fold. You get the picture. The sheep then would be those who would... His sheep would be those who would listen to him as opposed to listening to the scribes and the Pharisees. And they follow Jesus. Those are his sheep. And he's pulling them out of that that cultic belief, that blindness that the Pharisees and the scribes had. Well, the doorkeeper then would be God himself. Jesus, of course, would be the, the shepherd, the good shepherd. Then it comes to the, the thieves and the robbers. These would have been false prophets or spiritual leaders. He is talking about the scribes and the Pharisees, the Sadducees, those religious leaders who had, who had created this little fort that Jesus is now bringing his sheep out of. That's, that's, the, that's the scenario here. That's what we see. Now, from time to time, these shepherds would lead the sheep from, uh, from one place to, to the next place, and it could be a large, a long distance, and they might stop off, uh, on a, in a town. And each of the town, you would find a sheep fold. A place where, it would be a common place where the, the sheep could go. Overnight, maybe the, the shepherd would want to get out of the, the elements. And so he would bring his sheep in and they would put them in this particular fold. And there would be, they would pay one person to, to guard the sheep overnight. The shepherd was able to get some sleep, be out of the rain or out of the environment. And he could, he could sleep. He could rest. And then the next morning he would come and he would claim his sheep. That's the picture that Jesus is giving us here. He would come and and claim his sheep. And in all of this, Jesus is pushing a sharp contrast between him and the false shepherds of Israel. So what Jesus is saying is that he is the only legitimate person to have access or, or rightful claim to these sheep. God's sheep, God's people. 
And everyone else is there just simply to try to take advantage of the sheep. Do you get that? Do you understand that? Look at verse, uh, in fact, verse 10, he says, The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. You see that sharp contrast. He is the good shepherd. They are not. That's what we see. And these false shepherds, well, they want to have access to the sheep. They want the sheep, so they'll climb out, climb up any old way they can to get to the sheep. And that's really the picture of the scribes and the Pharisees here. The Pharisees were doing just that very thing. The Pharisees had no legitimate access or claim to being the shepherd or claim to the sheep. But Jesus did. They were self-appointed leaders. They were, not, they were not from God. They had no rightful claim. Jesus may have it in mind, if you want to turn over there, Ezekiel chapter 34. <clears throat> Ezekiel chapter 34 gives us a picture. Even in the 500 years earlier, 600 years earlier, of these false shepherds and what Christ or what God thought about these false shepherds. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, Thus saith the Lord, Woe, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. Um, You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are sickly, you have not strengthened. The diseased, you have not healed. The broken, you have not bound up. The scattered, you have not brought back. uh, Nor have you sought for the loss, but, but with force and with severity, you have dominated them. They are scattered for lack of a shepherd. And they became food for every beast of the field and were scattered. My flock wandered through all the mountains and on every hillside, every um, high hill. My flock was scattered over all the surface of the earth and there was no one to search and seek for them. An important, there was a, there was an importance about a shepherd. And if he was not a good shepherd, the sheep would suffer. And that's exactly what was happening here. That was the picture that Jesus wants to paint. That these so-called shepherds were not doing a very good job at shepherding. They were not. They did not care for the sheep. They did not love the sheep. They could care less. But you know what? Satan always has his false shepherds, doesn't he? He always has his, his false leaders. Those who, would, those who would feed on the sheep instead of feeding the sheep. Now, Jesus really was aggressive with them in Matthew chapter 23. Turn over there. I want you to see this passage. Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 and 2. Then Jesus spoke to the crowd and to the disciples. So he's, he's talking to the crowd and to his disciples. And, and he's giving, uh, talking about, he says, the scribes and the Pharisees. He says, the scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves. You see that? seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore, all that they tell you to do and observe, do not do, on according, uh, do, not do according to their deeds. They're not, just, they're not good examples. Look at verse 4. 
They tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders. They rule with guilt. They, they place guilt upon the people so that, so that uh, that's, that's the way they can control the people. Verse 5, they, um, and they do not, and they do all of their deeds to be noticed by, ne- by men. They want the attraction. They want the attention of everybody else. They love that. In verse 6, they love the place of honor at banquets and chief seats at the synagogues. They want the respect. They have huge egos. In verse 7, and respectful greetings at the marketplace. And they called rabbi or professor. They, they love those things. Look down at verse four, uh, 13. He continues these, this warning. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut out the kingdom of heaven from the people. They're a stumbling block. They're not helping the people at all. They're a stumbling block to the people. Verse 14. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, because you devour widows' houses. They are, they are greedy. They're greedy. Verse 15. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel around sea and land and make one proselyte. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourself. That's strong language. Jesus did not like what they were doing. In verse 16, woe to you blind guides. That's the bottom line. They're blind guides. They don't know what they're doing. They're not genuine shepherds. You know what? We have the same thing in our day, don't we? Those with huge egos, they just want to draw attention to themselves. They want to influence you. They know what's best. Sometimes they have a nugget of truth. They promise a a better life if you you send them money. But they're deceptive. They're, They're false. They're wrong. They're not from God. Now they'll frame up an argument that makes sense, that sounds pretty good, but they're... They're not from God. They're not Christ, God's shepherds at all. We have them. They're Satan. They're being used by Satan to lead the people astray. You know what? This is some of the greatest fear of the pastor right here. It's for the flock to be led astray into error. Led astray into things that are just not true. And I tell you what, we have a lot of people speaking error today. On the radio, on the TV, books, computers. There's a lot of that. You know what? Jesus would not play this religious game that they had going on here. He he wouldn't play that. His focus was on truth. His focus was on the, the sheep. They need to be fed. They need to be taken care of. These Pharisees, the focus was where? Right here. On themselves. Jesus, his ministry, uh, he would have none of it. Everything was about the sheep. He loved the sheep. And uh, like I said, it was great fear that the sheep would, would go astray. So a pastor, a wise pastor is going to try to teach his people to listen to the voice of the shepherd. Listen to the voice of the shepherd. Listen to Jesus Listen to Christ. He is the good shepherd. 
Verse 2, look at verse 2. He says back in John chapter 10, verse 2, But he who enters by the door of the she- uh, door is the shepherd of the sheep, and he, to him the doorkeeper opens. The doorkeeper opens because he is the legitimate shepherd. He's the one that he owns those sheep. Those are his sheep. And he comes to claim his sheep. And the gatekeeper lets him through the front door. So there's a sharp contrast here. These false shepherds, these Pharisees and Jesus. And he has, a, he has been approved by God. The gatekeeper. He is the one that is the true shepherd of the sheep. God appointed him. Christ, uh, God has uh, sent him for them. He is the only legitimate shepherd. And it says they hear his voice. Now, when a shepherd would move from town to town, uh, and he would bring in his flock, there would probably be other sheep in that fold already. In fact, there could be four or five shepherds in the same town and all of the sheep are in the same fold. How do you tell them apart? And if you're a gatekeeper, how do you know which ones, which sheep is, uh, belongs to which shepherd? Which is the true shepherd of the sheep? And there's two ways. Number one, the voice of the shepherd. The sheep would tend to recognize their shepherd's voice. And so the, the gatekeeper could, as they pass by, they could tell, yeah, that, that, she, that sheep belongs to him because he recognizes his voice and they'll follow him. Another thing is just the, the care of the shepherd. The shepherd cares for his flock. And both are seen in this picture. Now, Jesus kind of slows things down for us and he, and he um, gives us this uh, uh, little picture here to help us understand what he is saying. And this is just... Very rich. There's a lot of detail here. And it should be an encouragement to his disciples and an encouragement to this blind man. But he, he says, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he puts them forth, now let's just stop right there. Here's the scenario. He comes in, he approaches the gatekeeper as he's talking. His sheep, they raise their voice. They recognize the voice of, or they raise their head. They recognize the voice of this, their shepherd. And so there's some indication there. And they probably begin to move toward him because he, he is the place, he is the place of safety. He is the place of, of, uh, food and, and water. And so they begin to move toward him. And he calls them out by name. And one by one, he'll stand at the door and he'll take his staff and he'll just put it there and they'll wait and he'll examine each sheep as they come by. And he knows them by name. That's the picture that Jesus is is giving here. Everyone, one at a time, and they gather outside the, the fold there. And they wait for him. And he puts them out until all of the sheep are together. And he his, all of them, uh, they're all out. And then he goes ahead of them and he leads them. He leads them. After examining the sheep, after calling them by name. Now think about the implications of that right there. This is a beautiful picture of, of all those who follow Christ. Christ has a name on you. He has named you. He knows you intimately. And there's a lot to a name. There's significance. When you are named, there's, He has given significance to you. There's ownership. This is a picture of, of ownership. He owns us. 
And He's giving us, given us a name. And we belong to Him. We are His sheep. He has His claim upon us. Think about the implications of that. The only really significance that we have is with our shepherd. Because we belong to Him. This should be a huge encouragement to us. He has named us. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows the struggles that you're going through. If He knows your name, He knows all of those things. He, he, he owns you. You are His. You are precious to Him. And then the shepherd goes ahead of them. And he leads them. And they follow him because they recognize his voice. They follow him. That's my shepherd. I'm going to go with him. Listen, there's no place that you will go in this life that Christ hasn't already been. He is leading us. And he goes ahead of us. He goes before us. He doesn't come and drive us. He goes ahead of us. And he has already been where we're going. He has been there first. He is in front. And there should be a a lot of encouragement in that. That He is out there in front. He is leading. He knows the way. He is our shepherd. Isn't that a wonderful picture? Have you applied that to your life? Do you you listen to to Christ? Do your ears come up when, when His word is spoken? Do you say, yes, that's my shepherd. I want to be close to Him. Verse 5, it says, A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of a stranger. Listen, this is, this is talk about security here. But this is one of the most encouraging verses for a pastor. Because we, we know, you know, you may be led astray for a little bit, but you always come back to your shepherd. You will never fully abandon your shepherd for some false shepherd. You will always come back to the right shepherd. In fact, he'll go after you. If you're a true believer, you will not abandon. And and he'll go after you and bring you back. We are his sheep. He keeps us. He pulls us back. He goes after us and brings us back into the fold. And this gives great, great encouragement to pastors. Christ is a good shepherd, isn't He? He's a good shepherd. He knows how to do it. He knows what He's doing. And He knows us. And and we tune our ears to follow His voice. And, And when you get a taste of that green grass, and you get a taste of that cool water that He provides, there's no place else you want to be. And so you 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 attune your ears to Him. It's a beautiful picture. Look in verse 6. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand. Wow. They did not understand. Now, this is, this is an illustration. It's a parable of sorts. And you think, well, you know, it makes sense that they wouldn't understand. But listen, they didn't understand because they were spiritually blind. And he's talking about the scribes and the Pharisees, these, these religious leaders. They just didn't get it. They didn't get it. And there was one time when the, the disciples asked Jesus, why do you speak, why do you speak in these parables? In Matthew chapter 13, 
In verse 10, he says, The disciples came to him and said, Why do you speak in these parables to them? And Jesus said to them, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. I like what MacArthur says about this. Parables, these figures of speeches that Jesus uses, they're there to reveal and to conceal. Those who are in tune with Christ, spiritually awake, spiritually have spiritual sight, well, they're going to pick up on this and they're going to grow from it, this spiritual uh, truth. But to those who are blind, it is though God is saying, okay, if you want to be willfully blind, I'm going to let you be willfully blind. You're not going to understand the truth even when I present it. And God will let us do that. So he conceals those spiritual truths that are just so clearly in front of them. That's exactly what he did to these self-righteous Pharisees that thought they knew everything. They thought they weren't spiritually blind. They're not controlled by their sin, but really they were. And just God just affirms their blindness. They did not understand Now, Jesus tries it again. So Jesus says to them in verse 7, again, truly, truly, look, this is important. I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Now he's probably addressing his disciples. He's, He's turning his attention to this blind, this formerly blind man. And he's, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, or all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep... Did not hear them. Did not hear hear them. And that's exactly what this blind man did. In fact, he chided them, didn't he? If you remember back, he 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 was not fooled by their religious system, by their religious jargon. He heard Jesus' voice, and he says, "That's the truth. That's where I'm going." Now, he slightly changes the metaphor here. Jesus is now the the door of the sheepfold. And, and this uh, the scenario or the picture is a little bit different. This is now the scenario when the, the shepherd is out. He's in the field. And he doesn't come into town every night. And he's out there and, uh, to protect the, the sheep. He'll corral them. And they'll make uh, sometimes these, uh, uh, these brick walls or, or uh, rock walls. And you've probably seen pictures of them. They'll stand three or four feet high. And they'll be big enough to corral the sheep. And there's a small little open space for the door. And they'll go through there. And they'll protect the sheep through the night if there's a need. Sometimes they didn't do that. But sometimes if they, there's a threat of danger, they would pull the sheep in. And then the shepherd would, would lay at the door. So they could not get out unless they stepped over the shepherd. Jesus is becoming, Jesus had become the door. He is at the entrance of the fold in this, in this picture. And, uh, and he says in verse 8, all who came before me were thieves and robbers. They came in some other way, but I'm the door. But the sheep did not, did not hear him. And they, they didn't follow, they didn't follow these people. I, I'm reminded of, I'm reminded of Paul. Paul, he was aggressively fighting against Christ. He was aggressively fighting the church until he really heard the voice of Christ. And then he turned completely around. He heard the voice of his shepherd and he stopped and he followed Christ. That's a wonderful picture. 
That's, that's what we see here. This is an indictment to these Pharisees. They're, they're exposed. Jesus has exposed them to Israel for what they really are. They're not true shepherds, but they're thieves and robbers. They're murderers. They're killers. And, uh, but you know what? The true sheep, they recognized the voice of the true shepherd. They were not fooled. They were not fooled by these people. When the shepherd's voice was heard, they, they make a beeline for that shepherd. Yes, that's what I want. This really talks about the, the internal workings of the Christian heart, isn't it? That's what I want. There's that heart change and we have a desire for Christ. We desire for His Word. And when we hear it, we, we gravitate toward it. There's an affinity there. There's a love for that Word. And he says, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, how do you get into this sheepfold? And Jesus then now gives an, an invitation to come in and be a part of his flock. He is the true shepherd. He cares for his sheep. He loves his sheep. He saves his sheep from their sin and from hell. And ultimately from, from Satan. And verse 9 it says, I am the door if anyone... It's an open invitation. Jesus is always doing this. An open invitation. Please come. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out in fine pastures. Now we focus a little bit upon the sheep. His flock. What are they like? Well, what we see here is that they have freedom. They go in and out in fine pastures. There's freedom. But there's also security. This is a picture of safety. Whether the sheep are, are in the sheepfold or out of the sheepfold, there's still safety. They know that the shepherd is watching. If they want to go out because they're hungry, they want to go out and get uh, grass, they go out. If, they want to, uh, if they're, they're weak and, and feeble, they come in for the nourishment that, uh, that the shepherd can, can provide and, and he can take care of them and the healing and the... The relaxation that can be provided can be provided in the fold. This is a wonderful picture of the Christian life. We uh, we go out into the world with confidence, knowing that Jesus is our shepherd. There is safety even out there. We can go out and do battle, and then come in and and enjoy the the fellowship and the care for one another in the sheepfold. It's a wonderful picture. But sometimes I'm afraid that we don't really see this picture. I think so often Christians are governed by fear. Their whole lives just seem to be governed by fear. Fear of the world, fear of the outside. And we so insulate ourselves from, from the world that we really have no contact with the world. There should be great encouragement in this passage. Look, Jesus is, is pastor, is the world. We can go anywhere. And be safe. He is our shepherd. We can have confidence. We can have safety. Because He is our shepherd. And then verse 10. And we'll draw it to a conclusion. The thief comes to kill, or to, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's exactly what the Pharisees have done. 
Israel was just completely spiritually bankrupt to the point that they could not even identify, recognize their Messiah. And killed, stolen and destroyed Israel spiritually. But he says, but I came that they may have life. What a wonderful thought. That he, they may have life and may have it more abundantly or might have it abundantly. Abundant life. You know what? The, the physical world, the physical world, if you just live in this physical world, it will leave you high and dry. It, it just, there's no purpose in that. When you take out the, the spiritual life, the spiritual elements of this world, there's really no purpose in life. There's no real reason to live. It's just physical. We just go about the motions. But when you put in, when you include the spiritual life, there's abundance in Christ. There's an abundant life. There's joy. There's real joy in life. We have this life that Christ provides. Paul says, I, I no longer live, but, but Christ lives in me. The life that I live, Christ, Paul said, is in Christ and, and He's living through me. And in that, there's, there's an abundant life. We have, we have spiritual food. We have spiritual drink. We have safety. We have security. We have true identity. Think about that. We know who we are in relation to our Creator. He is our shepherd as well. We have purpose to life. We have meaning to life. And it's because we follow Christ. Now, if you are here and you do not follow Christ, this is, there's a warning here. There should be a warning. Red flags should be coming up in your mind. I'm not following Christ like I should. I'm not following Christ. And so there's, there's some warnings there. Do you even hear His voice? I'm not talking about some mystical thing. I'm talking about His voice that He has spoken clearly from His Word. That, and He told us to teach them, disciple others with this Word, this this what He has commanded us to. That's His Word. This is His Word, this voice that, that we hear. Do you even hear that? The more we entune our ears to that, the more we're going to hear that. The more discerning we're going to be in the world. And if you have not, if you are not following Christ, you're going to be like these Pharisees. You're going to be completely blind. You're going to still be in your sins. Your sins are going to remain. And there's still judgment upon you. But for believers, for Christians, there's an abundant life to be realized. There's an abundant life to be realized. He says, he says I came that they may have life. Now that's eternal life. Not only eternally, but here on this earth. And have it more abundantly. Have it abundantly. Because now we're including the, the spiritual elements to life. Now our whole lives are now oriented toward Christ. We know who our shepherd is. We know who to follow. And we can have that abundant life. There's many applications to this. Many applications. I can't name all of the applications. This is something that you are going to have to think through yourselves and apply these things to your own life. We have to apply them to our own thinking first. We have to get them in our mind. Do you see yourself as being owned by Christ? Or do you think that you're just going your own way? 
There's warnings here, but there's also a lot of encouragement. And I hope that you take away from this passage some encouragement. It's encouraging to this blind man who now sees and now spiritually sees and he's now following Christ. I pray that today you are following Christ. I pray that He is your shepherd. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank You for this passage. Thank You for revealing Yourself as the Good Shepherd. Revealing Yourself as uh, one who knows us intimately. Knows what we're like. And has given us a name. Lord, we find significance in that. We find purpose in living. Hope for the future. Lord, we thank You. Your Word is so always so encouraging to our lives. Lord, help it not to just encourage us, but Lord, help it to, to sink deep into our hearts. Help us to see ourselves as, as sheep of Your flock. The, the great shepherd, Jesus Christ, leading us, protecting us, going before us. Help us to see these things and understand these things. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.